Yeah, Peter, I'm here. Hey, ready. We're ready. Cool. Catch in. Base. Hi, everyone. Uh, we're back, and uh, we are being recorded now. Uh, the session begins. Uh, good morning, everybody. This is uh, the Ontolog Forum, and uh, the date is May 26, uh, 2005, and today we have our invited speaker presentation from Ms. Monica Martin. Uh, Monica is going to, uh, to speak on the topic Enhancing Business Processes Using Semantic Reasoning. Uh, uh, Monica is an XML Web Services Standards Architect in Java Web Services at Sun Microsystems. She has a diversified background in information systems, enterprise architecture, business-to-business -business operations, and communications. Uh, Monica represents Sun in emerging standards development for business collaboration, web services, uh, choreography, business process, and related areas of rapidly growing importance in the web services arena. Uh, such efforts are ongoing in the W3C, UNCFACT, OASIS, RosettaNet, and OHGI, uh, uh, and similar organizations worldwide. Uh, within Sun, Monica actively works with the product engineering, marketing, development, and software services teams to effectively integrate services-based services approaches into product and service development. Uh, in the government and private sector, Monica has worked in IS architecture, IS architecture, system engineering, product and strategic development, uh, system test, and other similar technology domains for more than 15 years. Uh, Monica holds a bachelor in newsprint uh, journalism and two masters in public administration and computer information systems. Uh, for those of us who frequent the That was a mouthful. I, I should have had a sort uh, shorter introduction. But um, welcome, everyone. I'm, I'm very, very glad to be here today, and somewhat, and very much honored not only by Bill's uh, recommendation, but also the opportunity to come and speak with you today. Um, my talk, as uh, Peter uh, indicated, is enhancing business processes using semantic reasoning. And uh, what I want us to think about as we go through this brief is that. Uh, I've taken a somewhat pr pragmatic approach to what I'm discussing and indicating where some user communities are with respect to the definition and automation of business processes, what emerging technologies are um, uh, fairly visible in the marketplace, and, and understanding the evolution and the capacity to define, associate, use, and integrate processes entities and data and information including the use of context and constraints in that overall environment. And that's a mouthful because there's a lot of work going on, but it's also very complex and you're seeing and there's actually quite a bit of work ongoing that it takes iterative steps to the use of our, our public pluggable let me use that word, pluggable capabilities that could uh, be associated with uh, uh, 
some of the work that you that this group is doing in their various domains. Okay, go to slide two. Uh, just to let you know, Peter is running the slides on VNC. I have a separate set. If I need to go to VNC to take control, I will. Okay, slide two. What we're going to talk about today is a little bit about the industry, uh, some of the standards that are involved, uh, and really the need for semantic reasoning because we're starting to see building blocks of standardized formats that show the capability to either effectively use or at least plug in um, semantic reasoning in, in various ways um, using emerging as well as known technologies. And, and where this uh, shows some opportunity for us to take an iterative approach to the technologies and capabilities that we hope to effectively provide the environment to automate and uh, use processes in an interoperable way. Um, what I would say is I want this to be interactive. I don't want to be the whole one speaking um, because that would be a, a really a boring uh, discussion. So I encourage everyone to ask questions throughout, uh, express your opinion. I'll let Peter manage kind of like the, the queue, so to speak, if that becomes applicable. And if you don't get to ask me a question <clears throat> or you ha need further definition uh, that's not available in the time we have, please send me an email. I'm monica.martin at sun.com. Very easy. M-O-N-I-C-A dot M-A-R-T-I-N at sun.com. Okay. Two slide three. Okay. Um, the first thing is we should talk about is um, throughout the 1980s and 1990s, there was quite a bit of interest in the whole definition and automation <coughs> of processes, particularly in the 90s in the e-business area. And, and during the last two to three years, there's been somewhat of a migration and, and a larger uh, interest in this doing this in a standardized way um, and, and to understand how business processes can be expressed in a standardized format. You're, you're seeing this with the, um, the notions and the marketing uh, associated with web services, uh, service-oriented architecture, um, uh, such as some of the work that uh, Duane's uh, reference model group is discussing because processes relate to that. Um, event-driven architectures and uh, some of the work in OMG for model-driven architecture as well as in UNC FACT. And, and there's been long-term enthusiasts that think standardization is very, very important. When we look at business processes, it's really it's a broad, broad spectrum. There's a lot of people that have myriad of different definitions to what BPM and business processes are. Um, what I've given you here is just a really high-level definition that actually comes from the Workflow uh, Management Coalition that talks about the whole spectrum of processes, assessing them, analyzing them, understanding what they are and how they're used. And, and really, how they're used is, is, is where they're focused today, um, at least on the ground. And when I say on the ground, uh, speaking as someone that spends most of their life in three or four uh, standards organizations that are particularly and specifically focused on the development of business process definitions and capabilities to use those in an effective way. Today we're seeing many, many definitions in a broader spectrum. Human interaction with workflow, uh, the visualization, abstraction and a definition, and the execution and monitoring of processes as well as uh, meta models, uh, semantics, 
it goes from A to Z in marketing and the work that's going on, and even the level of understanding. And that creates quite a challenge because we had class, you know, what I'll call classic workflow, um, particularly in uh, the late 80s and, and in the 90s, talking about what are business processes, how do humans interact, and even today, the whole notion of how do you see a human being as a service, which is an interesting concept that I'm sure we're going to see, be seeing some evolution of over time. Okay, um, please ask questions or, or ask, give your own definition, too, if, if I miss something that you feel is appropriate and important in the discussion. Mana, one, one quick question. You said uh, human being as a, as a system. Was that as a service. As a service, okay. Yes. Because, you know, in, in all honesty, um, if you look at some of the work in, um, and this is not specific to business processes, but you're starting to see the whole idea of processes uh, and user presentation, um, if you look at the work in Oasis with a web services remote portlet, they're starting to show the interactions of portlets and how a user may provide an input on, and, and I'm sure Dwayne could talk this in more detail because Adobe really does this, is, is how humans input into a form and that information actually is relevant to a decision that has an impact to the execution or at least the evolution of the outcomes in a process. So I, I think over time you'll start to see more and more work in this arena and I think it's moving there uh, particularly with some of the collaborative work that's going on between WFMC, Web uh, Workflow um, Management Coalition, and uh, BPMI, which is Business Process Management Initiative. In fact, they're looking at merging, and there's also work going on in uh, OMG as well. Okay, on to slide number four. Uh, where do processes fit? Well, today we see them in, you know, I, I think the word applications is kind of dying. It's only, it's, it's starting to become composed entities, you know, but uh, we see processes that have to do with applications. We see processes that get go across within entities like a logical enterprise. And, and I think the word enterprise is really, really over overloaded. But uh, uh, actually, David Burdett, who's now joined SAP, coined the fact that we have domains of control. And we, when we start to think about that, helps us start to bound uh, what, what processes are and how they occur. And then across entities or domains of control, um, which creates all sorts of challenges and interfaces that go on given what that logical definition and scope is within different environments and different sectors or domains that hopefully want to use those processes. Let's start for, with some really basic technology. And there's, there's an ongoing de debate about what orchestration, choreography, and collaboration are or whether they're even separate. I'm going to try to separate the marketing and, and, and how they're being used and, and product and tooling to let's just take some very basic definitions. And I, I kind of work on these definitions throughout my discussion today. So um, if, if you feel that there's additional definition I haven't provided because I've taken a very simplistic approach, please add it in. But orchestration is really a, a central management of, of, of a process. Uh, today you see that in a process instance, so to speak. It's, it's really my view of the world, my view of the process I'm involved in. When I say I, that could be an application, that could be an enterprise, that could be a business entity, it could be many things. I'm not limiting it. But in, in today's world, it is it's that centrally managed view. It is somewhat, you know, my view into how I interact with you. And then we have choreography where you're actually looking at the sequence of, of uh, messages or events that occur. And that typically can 
if you look at it in the context of being used with orchestration, could be the management of those, those single views of different entities, or, or me or you, within uh, together. Because uh, especially in some of the development that's going on uh, in OASIS, you don't really see uh, constraints on compatibility and uh, interoperability between different processes from the different views. So that is choreography. Can you, I, I don't, from, those, from that discussion, you seem to be talking about two different and not clearly related things. Can you say, I don't quite get the difference in orchestration and choreography. In what way are they similar? They seem more similar than different. So can you say exactly what the similarities are and exactly where they diverge? Uh, I'll give you a key example, and I have a picture on the next slide. Could you hold oh. just on the next slide, and then we can, sure. and I'll address it specifically. Okay. And then if you look at uh, collaboration, it really adds uh, across, if you look at it in the context of e-business or business collaboration, is uh, brings in the intentional compositional aspects of the expectations and patterns associated with the parties. One question, Monica. Mm -hmm. uh, does the term workflow get used much at all? And if it does, I mean, where does that fit in probably between orchestration and choreography? Um, I, I think that's a really irrelevant question. It gets back to the previous slide. Um, I, I think those words are becoming very, very muddled. You know, if, if you look at classic workflow, it, it, it typically was like an ERP system that, with Oracle that had order management, logistics, and, and, it, and, and humans were actually involved, right? There, there was workflow tasks and, and, and capabilities that, that had this human component um, as it related to applications and to uh, different systems. Today, we're seeing BPM used all across the spectrum. And, and I think what's happening is you're starting to see BPM and the use of uh, orchestration of processes and choreography in the context of BPM. What has not happened is, is, is to try to integrate those uh, uh, capabilities technically. It's happening, but it's happening slowly. I think BPM now is used used more and more and more with the understanding that it includes workflow, which has been historically understood as humans involved. And the automation of processes. See, the key is, is the automation of processes and the different entities that are involved in those entities could be people. Okay. Okay, if we go to slide five, and, and I don't know who asked the question about different Okay. Um, if you look at the picture I ha have on uh, slide five, um, I have, if you look at orchestration, I understand that I, I say I am a, um, a, a loan assessor, and I know I have uh, uh, two-way arrows here. I'm a loan assessor. I interact with another service. I interact with an, another entity, and I look and I send something to you. And, and, I, and I wait for a response. I, 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 I say I send. I don't, I don't, I may or may not know you receive. But the key is, is I'm seeing it from my view. It's, it's my view of the interaction. I'm the consumer, you're the retailer. Or I, I, I send you something as a, as a request. Okay? That's orchestration. And, and, and orchestration means I'm managing that process typically from my view, okay? When you look at choreography, that's many views that are as a part of a message sequence. It's, it could be even in the context of a common or a global model. This whole idea of a global model 
is a difficult thing because it has to do with state, it has to do with management, it has to do with composition, and there's a, quite a bit of debate, at least in the groups that I'm involved in, with respect to do we have a global or a common model, or is it a model that I understand that we com compose together. But choreography is typically the message se sequence that takes a common view of the interaction between different endpoints or different so, entities. So one major difference is between orchestration and choreography is one is centrally managed and the other one isn't. Yes, it's typically uh, almost always peer-to-peer. -peer. Now, there, there's quite a bit of debate. Um, I had an interesting discussion uh, last year with uh, a very well-respected uh, process expert that's part of uh, BPMI who felt that nothing is ever actually peer-to-peer that everything is centrally managed, i.e., you always have a, buy, a, a large uh, uh, gorilla like General Motors in control, and they dictate what the processes are. But, you know, you, you somewhat have to separate the technical implementations for, from, from the fact that they are in a, an environment where they interact um, on equal footing, irrespective of whether the agreement and intent is, okay? Um, this is Nicholas Rukan. What yes. is the difference between choreography as a perhaps a special kind of collaboration limited to just describing message uh, exchanges. Uh, yes, and I'll get to that. Thank you for, for asking. He's, he's keeping me on task, okay? Um, and, and that's a good thing because um, I, I, I know I'm on a time schedule. Business collaboration, uh, there, there are specs out there right now uh, in development that look at collaboration purely from a um, series of choreography or message exchange. They may have um, some limited composability capabilities. Uh, they uh, allow you to understand simple uh, message exchange patterns and, and may have other capabilities to look out to uh, semantic definition. In the area of business collaboration, if you look at the specs that are under development or available, it, 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 it adds an additional component that is probably very right for semantic reasoning that has to do with more complex patterns um, and the intent of the entities or the, 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 the entities or partners that are involved, as well as some more detailed compositional aspects that may not be limited to um, uh, simple patterns. And, and there's also semantics that are associated with that. So I, I see it more so as a, a layer of uh, additional understanding. And, and some people don't think there's levels. They just think it's a different view. It just depends on your perspective. Um, now, that's not to say that uh, collaboration and choreography are separate. They, they could be used together in choreography, and control flow is an important component of business collaboration. Thank you. Mm -hmm. and, and hopefully, the, I tried to make this as a simple picture as possible. Um, and, and believe me, there's a lot of debate on this. Um, a lot of people lump them together. And it's very much lumped together in, in, in product development and in marketing that's, that's related to those products and different uh, architectural approaches that are involved. OK, uh, going to the next slide. Let's see. Slide number six. Thank you. Uh, if you look at some of the standards in play, uh, this is not a comprehensive list. I just tried to take as many as I could that I could fit on one slide. Okay? Um, they, they spanned, uh, there, there's developing work in the Java community process. Uh, there's uh, BIPL. BIPL is 
typically been and seen in the context of orchestration. Um, uh, BPSS, uh, there's various efforts going on for BPSS. It's primarily focused on the e-business area and includes core, uh, choreography and business collaboration, uh, CDL, choreography uh, description language, and it's primarily focused on choreography, but also allow, it, it doesn't include the really the business semantics that you would see in more complex patterns because it's based on uh, the support of WSDL 1.1 and WSDL 2.0, and it allows you to point to a semantic description. I'll be talking about this a little bit more later. And, and there's important other work going on that spans uh, different areas. UNC FACT is, wor is, is working on their next generation, and uh, maybe others can speak to it in more detail, Bill or, or uh, Dwayne for the UNC FACT um, modeling methodology, the next meta model. And, and really it's a model different uh, oriented approach to the definition of um, interactions between parties. And, and I'm making it really, really simple. There's a huge amount of value in the work that UNC FACT's doing. And there's, uh, it's actually the basis of, and, and also a, a guideline and reference material that other specifications are using as input. And I and think there's going to be a new, um, this is Bill McCarthy, a uh, new uh, generation of that uh, probably after the Hanover meeting and probably unveiled publicly in the, uh, in the UNC FACT uh, forum at the end of uh, September, mm -hmm. which I think is in Lyon. Yes, and, 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 and what's important about this is, that, you know, there's various, and this is really important, I'm glad you brought that up, Bill, is there's various approaches to how you look at processes and how you develop them. Uh, some are bottom-up, some are in the middle, and some are top-down. But uh, these things are starting to merge, but you're seeing, starting to see the same set of challenges irrespective of which way you start, right? right. <laughs> and, it, and it's really important to understand that no, no, no path is necessarily right or wrong. It's just a part of the evolution of where we are in process at this state of the game. Yeah. Monica, can I ask a quick question? I could Google this stuff, but uh, BPMN, Business Process Modeling Notation, mm -hmm. uh, can you just say really quickly who's, uh, who's responsible for that and where it's coming from? Uh, that, uh, I, I was going to get that, and that's a good, that's a good question. BPMN is in the uh, BPMI, uh, Business okay. Process uh, Management Initiative, but there, there's some changes going on. WFMC and BPMI are looking at merging. And uh, I would think that either BPMN in and of itself as a notation to be able to uh, use uh, notation elements and objects to visualize a process may be an input to the business process definition meta model. It's actually an RFP that uh, has been let by OMG um, to show, take different, uh, do a, what they're calling an Uber meta model. Now, how that relates to the UMM, I can't tell you because okay. I don't know. But I, I do think they're related. Whether those works are related or overlap, I can't speak to because they're still waiting on the RFP. They've extended it several times. I think it's been going on for almost two years. I think it's, the RFP has been ex extended for revised submissions through August of this year. Okay, so, that's OMG? Yes, it's OMG. Okay. And um, I, I believe there, the RFP is publicly available. I could provide a link to that okay. if people are okay. in, interested. Didn't want to get too much of a detour here, sorry. No, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. And, 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 and what it is is they're trying to, uh, 
merge and the look of what thing, what notations could be used as an input to a metamod, to a, I'll call an Uber metamodel. That could be uh, UML, that could be UMM, uh, and or that could be BT, BPDM, um, and 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 also uh, they, it, it's fairly broad scoped. I know some of that work has been uh, part of the, at least I understand, part of the, the delay in the revised submission has to do with integrating choreography and collaboration as part of their scope of definition. Originally, it was more focused on just processes in and of themselves. Okay. Monica, quick question. Yes. In, the, in this sort of standards convergence that I hear you talking about, is this sort of like when the object-oriented world was headed toward, uh, there was all, all sorts of different notational things that rational eventually came forward and they all sort of sorted it out. Is that, is that kind of where we are now in this world? Yes, I'm, I'm, there's, there's, there's probably going to be some leveling. There's two things that you have to think about. The first thing is, is that, um, and, and this is just my uh, professional opinion, others may not share it. I, I think the complexity of business and what we're trying to accommodate from a process perspective does not lend itself to a very simplistic approach to the amount of uh, standardization that may occur. And what that's saying in a nutshell is that not one spec is going to do it all. So you may you're, you're going to there likely will be several emerging and that will take on you know the, the focus and the 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 front lead so to speak. The other part is is, is a ra looking at it rationally to what uh, businesses and communities with their own legacy investment can accommodate. Okay, as far as technology and and mechanisms are concerned. And when I mean mechanisms, you know not only the the business related capabilities, but also the technical aspects that support it. So this is one example. Another example is that there are some understood compatibilities uh, in discussions, even if it's informal, between groups. Um, for example, uh, uh, the, the W3C work and OASIS and, and UNC FACT work, there's discussions going on about how to make sure that work goes and, and, and a logical path, because you know the end goal is to serve the community and the needs they have, and sometimes that's that's hard because there's you know various competitive interests with respect to any, any one activity that occurs, not only within companies but also within standard organ organizations. There's always competition in some way, even if it's implicit. I mean, I think there may be some properties of this. I, as Steve Ray at at, uh, at NIST, you may know of. Um, has worked in this uh, automobile industry and, and has a standards convergence pro uh, project out there. I don't know if you know yes, him, but yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's got to be similarities. Yes, and, and the thing is, you know, uh, to your point, uh, the I don't know what they're calling it. Is, are they calling it SOA convergence? There is an effort through AIAG. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, this one is uh, particularly within a community that they had been looking at, the manufacturing community, um, and uh, NIST had a... Uh, had a, a project that was trying to facilitate uh, some convergence um, because there were so many standards and they needed to be able to to, to carry on um, you know business to business transactions. I, I don't know if this is related to the AIAG effort. Maybe is this um, who, who's speaking? What is AIAG? I'm sorry. This is Pat Heineck at Commerce. Yes, uh, it is uh, Automobile uh, Industry Action Group. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's it. I think that's how it came about. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm not sure the the progress they've made. I know there's still work going on. I believe it's going slowly. I'm not directly involved, but I do on on a um, fairly you know 
infrequent basis speak to Pat Snack and some of the other folks that are involved, understanding where that work is going. In fact, I attended a meeting early in May where it was touched on in detail. Uh, so um, I, I, I think the, the pragmatics of it is that it's going to take a long time for a convergence to occur. And some of that occurs by attrition in the sense that, you know, the, the industry leaders take hold or some of that happens uh, because there's a recognition that only by compatibility and, and convergence can the user communities not only be served but also the technologies proliferate and become pervasive. So th there's a lot that has to go on. The other thing I have not included here are uh, the specific uh, specifications that are related to transactions. And, well, and can, can, I, can I also interject and, and uh, maybe point uh, Pat to an uh, in, in earlier uh, invited speaker session at Ontolog that was late last year, October 26th. Uh, we actually had Mark Palmer from NIST uh, talking to the uh, community here, and he uh, co-leads an effort from this uh, called the E-Business Standards Convergence Forum, EBSC. So you might also want to check that out. He does not work for Steve, but but is, is sort of another uh, NIST effort. In yeah. That direction. Thanks. Yes. Sorry, Monica. No, it's 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 great. In fact, I'm involved with EBSC, and they're making some progress. I, I could give you a link to some of the slides from the meeting in May. I believe the one by Pat Snack and some of the work that's ongoing there, specifically with the inventory visibility and uh, verification. In, in, I think IBNI inventory visibility and ver verification. That's close enough. Yeah, close enough. Sorry, I, there's so many acronyms. It's it's it's, it's just. Uh, I have to have my own glossary to keep up with it, but I, I can point you to that. Um, that's even a convergence opportunity because a lot of uh, convergence has to be grounded in the consciousness of the specifications and the capabilities that exist and how they either can be differentiated, used together, or, or overlap. And and and, and that's that's a, that's a human limitation. You know, it's, how many things can you, how many different ideas can you absorb at one time? You know, not only we but also user communities. I think the point was made in uh, the meeting May 6 with EBSC is that um, it's very difficult from the ones that are for, for the communities that are not directly involved to understand some of these concepts and technologies in any level of detail by sheer fact of of the complexity that's involved, and and not being involved in the specification or uh, may lack in, in their definition to adequately you know give those communities information. So. Back to the slide on number six, just to, uh, to, to conclude, I have not included transactions, and I mean runtime transactions with uh, business transaction protocol. There's composite application framework. Um, there's a series of proprietary specifications that are still under development in the industry. And when I say mean industry, I mean it with, with vendor support. On to slide seven. Oh, the, before you move on the slide, uh, what, what, uh, what does your CL Acronym stand for after, right after PSL. Uh, that uh, conversation language. Oh, okay. There are so many. <laughs> so many uh, and, and some of them have have gone by the wayside in the sense that they've been inputs to others. For example, the web services choreo uh, WS Whiskey web service choreography interface. Cool um, acronym. <laughs> yeah, was was uh, an input to the WSCDL work. Um, 
And, and, and we also had this pr the presentation in the last couple of months on PSL, which was excellent. Very, very good. Okay, going to slide seven. Um, I've just given you a graphical representation of uh, the, the, the basic terminology that I gave you before. Um, I've given you a little code snippets and just some pictorial representations. And it also starts to allow you to see some of the differences that were in the previous graphical slide and the simple basic terminology that was uh, given as well. Um, if you wanted to look at orchestration, uh, orchestration and the, the, the uh, web services uh, business process execution language uh, is in uh, the OASIS uh, group. And it's, it's really a, a, a low-level uh, XML-based procedural language is what it is. It, it includes expressions. It's tied to WSDL. And it loosely defines correlation sets. It does give you some limited compositional capabilities. And, and the, but the services are composed and, ex, and exposed on a, a fairly granular, granular level because it's, the primary focus has been on execution, i.e., putting uh, uh, an instance into an a, uh, engine and be able to execute against it and be able to look at and see processes in the services that would be involved, whether they're opaque or not. And there's a lot of discussion, I know, on uh, Dwayne's list about uh, opacity and, and, and some of these, uh, and, and also some other things that I'm going to talk about later. OK, uh, if you look at choreography, there, there's a little bit of a difference there. Um, and I'll differentiate it to orchestration is uh, then you, when you see choreography, uh, particularly at the enterprise level, the logical enterprise, you should start to bridge the compatibility between these different process instances that you may see in uh, BIPL or any kind of a proprietary or tool uh, product-specific uh, orchestration language that uh, is centrally managed. You start to see the separate entities, how their message exchange is choreographed, i.e., they're understood. And, and, but there are some differences, because that may mean the understanding is still from the separate views of the different process instances that are involved. Um, there are hooks with choreography and orchestration to what you guys really think is important and what may likely be a part of the whole uh, future of semantic reasoning. If you look at uh, orchestration and BIPL in, uh, particularly, um, it, you could look at the ALS abstract service specification and some grounding ontologies that have been developed and how that maps to WSDL. Um, there's a limitation there because, at least in the WSDL world, even with respect to uh, uh, the whole idea of orchestration, there, there is a focus not only on abstract, but the, the fact it becomes bound to something in a protocol, a messaging protocol. And that um, even an implicit or even understood binding between the definition in its abstract way and the binding to something that is concrete in and of itself is a limitation. And that's already, always, already been recognized by uh, some of the folks that are involved in, in this area of interest. And with choreography, if you want to look at that, the hook, there's quite a bit of hooks with choreography to the area that you're interested in. If you look at WSCDL, uh, Web Services Choreography Description Language, it talks about and allows you to identify an entity, a reference, or even descriptive links to text, document, uh, specifications via uh, URI, or even uh, reusable definitions for AL and RDF. But it's just a description, and it's just a pointer. 
It doesn't say how that affects the choreography. It doesn't say what type of influence it places on, on the definition or the use of the choreography. But that, that's an opportunity as well as a challenge. Okay, if you go to slide eight. Slide eight, um, and to the uh, question that was raised earlier, you would look at choreography and control flow, but in collaboration you start to add the constructs of intent, uh, deeply held nested uh, composability, and the patterns that look at what is important in design and how that uh, may translate into constraints and conditions that have to do with use, and the understanding and the intent of the parties that are involved and whether or not it actually uh, binds to and, 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 and provides uh, an indication of the gap to semantic reasoning. Um, if you look at the, the specs that are involved, and there, there are several, um, there, there is a focus or at least an understanding of the structural and the syntactic area where we know business semantics are very important, but there's the next step to put that in another formal mechanism, i.e., to be able to use uh, semantic reasoning with inference engines and, and having common understanding not only of the structure and the format, but also uh, the uh, meaning that's involved. That means the value of the meaning that's involved. Uh, if you look at the patterns, say the patterns that are in uh, EBBP, people call it business process specification schema, you have business semantics and understood semantics that are part of the business transaction patterns that are developed. And that translates in, into somewhat like profiles or a template when the, the intent of the parties is applied to that template, that process template, you actually uh, have a profile and, and there can be different constraints to apply to that. And, and those are key areas, especially with condition, conditional expressions to be able to attach semantic information. The next step would be to understanding in a, in a formalized way the meaning and, the, uh, and, more, and more about the structure and the capabilities of those meanings. And, and that's, there, that there's still a gap there. But it has to do with, with the fact that this is where the technologies are, this is where the level of capability exists, at least with the specifications that I've been involved in and understanding of the products that are involved. If you know of other products that I don't that, that uh, have effectively done this, um, please speak up. Okay, going to slide nine. Uh, there was a very, very interesting brief um, by uh, Jan Mendeling, M-E-N-D-L-I-N-G, uh, from Vienna. Uh, and I've just extracted one table <coughs> here. And this, uh, it was called Event-Driven Process Design Change. And I, I've given, I, I, I also have the URL for this, and I will attach it to the website, the wiki, after the meeting is over. But this is a very, very uh, interesting uh, paper. It talks about how we look at and interpret processes. Uh, you're starting to see mathematical logic being used, uh, associating a process with entities, associating with different characteristics, of even in the environment and the infrastructure as it relates to processes. And, 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 and the valuable work that I've spoken about before, such as in UNC fact, um, uh, and in OMG, to use meta models in hopes of being able to automatically generate, um, you know, through the, through the design chain, so to speak, of, of processes. If you look at this matrix, what's interesting is that you see areas that are either ripe for use of semantic reasoning or that are particular gap areas 
that could be um, could be filled for by semantic reasoning. It depends on what your perspective is. Um, quality, I, I, myself, I, I think that control flow exceptions, transactions, and events are, are key areas where semantic reasoning could be used. And if you look at the graphical representation, such as in BPMN and, and use of UML, and 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 also for transportation, that's another uh, transformation. Excuse me, that's another opportunity area to use semantic reasoning. And it's it's looking at it from uh, completely different perspectives. Because if I, I had a question uh, yesterday from someone about BPMN and BIPL, and well, these things are are not equal when you look at the graphical representation versus the process definition that is involved. And and what's interesting about that is is uh, they, they serve different purposes, but they need to be complementary to one another. And, and I think the use of semantic reasoning could, could help people more so understand and effectively use these different technologies. Hi, this is Mike again. You're saying, it wasn't immediately obvious how you can use this table to identify gaps, etc., for semantic reasoning. You're saying that the three things in red are related to semantic reasoning, so then we look at the chart and see where they're missing information? Um, what I'm saying is, is to, these are three key areas where I, uh, uh, or that could where semantic reasoning could be used. I think they could be used anywhere. What I did is I've gone through the paper um, and in the work I've been doing and understanding where these are going to see where the opportunities lie. And it's just my own opinion, right? Sure. If you if, and I, I can provide, I'd be happy to provide the link to the paper because it talks in greater detail why they assess these areas in the way they did. But even if you look at the areas of interest where you have task I.O., task address, quality attributes, events, you see where where the different components of processes are being defined and, and have to associate with what the building blocks are now, where semantic reasoning could be a valuable asset. And also where the environment and focus is. You know, a lot of it has to do with product and tool support, emphasis in the industry, user community input, sure. and all those things feed into whether or not something's successful or not. Right. Okay, thank you. Sure. It was a really interesting uh, uh, presentation. I, I will provide that after the brief. Okay, go to slide 10. Okay, if you look at where are we now, and this is just my view, it's, a, it's my limited view, uh, just being a, a lonely analyst in this big fish of process C. Uh, but what we're starting to see is, is using reasoning with expressions, condition expressions that may attach semantic information to them in a specific structure. Um, you know, uh, we've talked to, uh, I was on a brief earlier today where people are, how people are using XPath and what does that mean. That's, that's just the start, okay? And, and then uh, using metadata for, uh, to, to put parameters around or constraints in the design and use of processes. I know um, I keep coming back to you, Duana. Maybe hopefully you'll pipe up. Is uh, is uh, what what is the difference between metadata and semantics, and, and how are they related, and how do they provide you know input to the design, composition, deployment, and use of processes? Well, Duane did mention that he had to leave early. Oh, I see. Maybe I missed him. Might have already have done. Yes. And, and there's a lot of development right now in the area of policy and context, and most of them are runtime mechanisms other than just the understanding of business semantics with conditions and constraints that could translate into 
guidance to runtime mechanisms. You know, and there, that's why the, the whole separation of design and use is so important. And then also, uh, we're starting to see domain vocabularies <coughs> that actually have um, uh, formalisms associated with them. Um, and, and this is another area because there's like an understood triangle between content, business content, business processes, and, and uh, con context with the intent in the center. You know, it's kind of like a triage. And, and none of those things necessarily are developed separately. I, I saw a really good brief from Mike DeConta, who's with uh, Department of Homeland Security now, uh, talking about we, we, we're trying to use uh, semantic capabilities um, in the development and understanding and use of data and information, but he separates it from exchange. And I, I think you know there's a logical evolution that's going on that will allow us to use these technologies effectively together. If you like, I can comment briefly on semantics and metadata. Yeah, go ahead, um, please. It's, it's not so much a difference between semantics and metadata as you can represent metadata with the formal semantics representation or not. So some metadata is highly structured, and you can do reasoning with it, and other ones are very informally structured, and you can't really do reasoning on it. So they're slightly different things, but you can mix them up and have both at the same time. I, I agree. Thank you very much. That, that's really important. You know, I, the discussions I've seen, there, there, there's still a lot to learn here. You know, they're, they're evolving, uh, especially in the web services environment, uh, specifications that talk about the exchange of metadata the next horizon is understanding standardized formats that allow you to uh, to be able to at least associate or match the syntax. You know, we're looking at syntax, we're looking at structural, and as Mike DeConta said, the next horizon is is understanding the semantic interoperability, the semantic association and relationship between these different types of capabilities, and, and it is, it's got to be iterative because there, there's a lot of work to do. I'm sure we could all retire on all this stuff. <laughs> one, one other thing that I think that's worth pointing out is the difference, well, the question of where the semantics is, because currently, if everybody agrees on a standard way of doing metadata, then you can just agree on the words and everybody knows what it means, and then you can, you can say that we now all agree on the semantics, so that's the metadata can be used, and you can code up your programs to do the right thing when you encounter metadata according to that standard. So in some sense, it gives you a lot of useful semantic information to have everyone have agreed on it. But that's not semantics that um, is enables machine reasoning, you know, uh, where the definition of the semantics is, is explicit mm -hmm. that the machine can use. So the question really is, is the semantics that's being expressed for people to use when they write their programs to do the right thing, or is it for the machines to use so they can do inference on it? So uh, who is this speaking of? This is Mike Schultz. Yes, and, and actually that's a very important point because where I see in, in the work that I do um, in business process is that they're, they're focused on um, machine, uh, the, the structural and the syntactic. Yeah. Okay, and and semantics could be operational, i.e., some of it is, is text that's in a specification that provides guidance and constraint to the development and the use of the specification and 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 um, and techn technology. 
the, the other part you're talking about is actually uh, the machine reasoning that's over and above that. And, and there also are business semantics, but most of it is held in understanding and by association, uh, by name-value pairs, uh, all these things, but those are building blocks, okay? They, they may be simplistic, nonetheless, you know, understandably, but they're still building blocks that provide opportunity for use, you know, on a, with an iterative approach. Because um, some of it has to do with the limitations, as I said before, just of the communities the technology, and, and, and also where the focus of large-scale vendors are, which, which provides product and tooling that allow people to use these things and understand them at some level. Um, uh, hopefully, um, you know, I, I see there's a great opportunity. I hope that that opportunity is realized. Uh, but I, I keep being put back to the pragmatics of it, of, of what communities can achieve. Um, and, and, and sometimes it's frustrating. But and. But we still see progress. We still see opportunity. Okay, uh, next slide is number 11. I, I pulled this out of Al S, and, and I uh, know we've spoken about this in the last few weeks. And I just want to concentrate on the picture. This is actually a picture from the Al S specification from the, uh, and it talks about. It looks at you know just discovery, invocation, composition of services, but. What this diagram again shows is that we, we have services, we have processes, and those things have touch points to one another. They, they're different, but they can, they're related to one another and they can be effectively used. And I know uh, there's been additional work uh, that, that could be used over time, uh, such as the upper ontologies. It's, it's, we've discussed that in the context of core components. Uh, the whole idea of um, how how we uh, under, get to certainty. You know, the key is to get to certainty, and getting to certainty is and, and getting to, to a deterministic approach is is something that will take time. Okay, going to slide 12. I'm going to give you some key examples that I see that are uh, I believe are opportunities and maybe some indicators of what could be uh, an opportunity to be effectively used in the future. Uh, the first one uh, on slide 12 has to do with um, <clears throat> uh, just a high-level representation. We're seeing semantic variables. And what I mean by semantic variables, there is a understood syntactic and structural uh, uh, mechanism or a format that allows you to point to semantic information that is understood in a domain. Okay, and are a domain or a user community, such as financial services, healthcare, uh, etc. Uh, if you look at the area of pie calculus, you know there's quite a bit of um, uh, focus right now in specific areas, and uh, it's more in the scientific and advanced research realm with respect to pie calculus, uh, event-driven tree, ca you know, the tree structures. There's all sorts of things going on. There's some interesting work going on in. Uh, the UK with Robin Milner and some of his experts in the pie calculus world to associate conformance in, in a typing system to get to determinism with respect to the um, um, evolution and use of processes. Okay, because their world is everything is a process. Roles, entities, the constraints that are applied to them, everything is a process. 
Um, the first time I met Robin Milner, we had a, a long discussion about whether or not a, a business entity or a partner was a process. Un unfortunately, we disagreed. <laughs> and uh, that, and 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 the, and the whole relationship between domain content and process, and the reasoning associated with both, not only only in their design, their assembly, but their use and their influence on one another. And 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 I found an interesting uh, article. Uh, although I'm not willing to pay for the research, I did get to look at the high-level abstract. The whole idea of adaptability. Um, we're seeing a lot of focus now to flexibility, adaptability, uh, saving money. How can we do these things? There, there has to be some kind of business reason to do this. Wh why would I spend my money? What's the operational justification? And, and, and that, ch that challenge brings with it an opportunity, and hopefully some of these mechanisms will provide some of that adaptability, not only of you know because of constraints in regulatory, legal, um, uh, 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 regional, geographical, that's, that these mechanisms will be uh, valuable. And they're, it's quantifiable and, and, and quantitative uh, uh, how those mechanisms can provide a payoff to business um, and to governments for that fact. You know, um, I think that's, that's one of the limitations is because they have to have a payoff. There has to be a perceived payoff. And, and uh, a lot of that has to do with costs that can be quantified. Um, and some of the limitation it, it provides limitation on the technology as well, or, the, or you know even the, the focus on the technology that may be involved. Okay, Monica, uh, can I just ask this, is Bill McCarthy again? Yeah, can go I right just ahead. ask really quickly, um, who was the everything is a process person, Robin Milner, M-I-L-N-E-R? Okay. He's actually the father of pi calculus. Okay. Um, I met you. him in Cambridge, yes, and it's a very interesting discussion um, because he went to the authors of uh, WS Choreography and said, you really need to talk to this person. This is a business person. I guess it was, it, it was a positive thing uh, because I was a, 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 uh, in, in the company of very uh, mathematical and scientific experts. It, it was quite an opportunity. He, he's quite a card, and the people that he's involved with uh, that are doing some of this conformance typing are recognized as experts in this this domain, um, and I should have some additional information. I'm actually going to be meeting with them, and I'll be the, be in uh, London in June. So okay. I maybe have something to give back if you guys would be interested. Okay. Okay. Slide number uh, 13. Semantic variables, and and this too was the point to make before. It's really uh, these are machine processable and such structure and syntax of semantic information. If you look at BPSS, it allows you to uh, attach semantic information to uh, business transaction activities, to, to uh, business documents, and, and, and either within the process itself or some, some mechanism that's external that could be pointed to to allow you to make some decisions. Again, it's, it's, it's syntactically and structurally focused. The actual semantics, as far as inference, are really uh, have not gotten to that level of maturity. Um, there are content characteristics, as I said, that have to do with like a logical business document, and even of the activities themselves. I gave a really simple example using XML um, that's from the 2.0 spec in Oasis. Um, but what this does say is 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 is, is that those 
capabilities have, could have a next generation. If you look at um, preconditions, postconditions, uh, different events or triggers that could either start or end uh, processes, those are right for for, for inference, you know, I, I, it, there's there's several different focuses. You have business entities, and and those entities uh, are their state and their capabilities may be se separate from the process and the state that that process has. I, I think Bill can speak to that. I think uh, maybe two to three years ago we had a debate whether or not those business entities in their state were the same as the processes in their state. There's there's a lot of I still think there's a lot of debate in that area. Mm -hmm. Oh wait. We resolve some of that sometime soon. I know, in our lifetime anyway. So, okay, next slide is number 14. This is the reference I made to Robin Milner. Uh, 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 Kohei Hondo and uh, Yoshida, uh, let's see, uh, Kohei Hondo and, let me get the, the looking at the Latin, uh, Nobuku Yoshida. They're both from Japan. They're actually husband and wife. They're uh, recognized experts in the whole area of pi calculus. And what they've been doing is working uh, with uh, some of the um, advanced technology experts um, in Oracle and, and with the W3C uh, to develop a conformance typing system that looks to ma mathematical certainty with respect to the underlying assumptions associated with choreography and processes. Um, and and it, those things provide requirements on the other. If you look at what's transpired, I've got to have a, a short use case example here. I'm not to go into a lot of detail of what it says. But what it was is there was a travel request scenario, you know, a travel scenario between a travel agent and uh, set up, uh, say, a consumer that wants to purchase services, right? And, and and what it does is they were talking about trying to match my capability of what I need and availability and prices to what you can offer. You know, if you look at Bill's cookie cookie monster example, you see the, the same thing occurring, is that I have something, I have resources, you have serv services, let's see we, how we trade, and you know, there's something of value that gets exchanged. And, and what they're trying to do here is say, okay, how can I know what step and what process uh, outcomes I'm looking for, what entities that are involved that are considered a process, and how do I uh, use statistical analysis and algorithms to understand that with as much mathematical certainty as possible. Um, and what that does is put that pie orientation, which is actually somewhat implicit in WSBIPL, provide, provide requirements and constraint on how, say, WS choreography or BIPL could be used. In, in BIPL's case, it's much more implicit. It's more explicit in CDL because of their ongoing work with Robin Milner and his group. But what it, they do is they try to do matching. They do ma matching from, from a mathematical logic approach. In the terms of the terms you had used at the beginning, um, choreography, uh, collaboration, um, and um, um, orchestration, what would you say uh, is the uh, use case you uh, show on this slide? Um, what does it correspond to? It would correspond to choreography, and would correspond to choreography from the message exchange level, from the interaction, because it it it, it makes it some quite as linear as possible. 
there's been a huge, very detailed debate within that group over the last two months about linearity. You know, how, to, how it's all about cause and effect. If I have this cause, how do I get to that given effect? Um, at looking at concurrency of processes, uh, parallel processes, because concurrency kind of implies they have a join parallel. They could just go in into infinity and never, infinity and never join again. With, uh, uh, look, looking at choice, looking at sequencing, and say, if I go to A to B and I branch to this different process step, do I know that step can occur, can it occur, and does it occur? Okay? But it's mostly in, in choreography. There is some implicit in BIPL, but it has not been that much expressed. There's some, a few papers out there, but BIPL has gone on its own separate, somewhat of a tangent over and above, and you don't really see the connection to uh, pi. So you think that um, this um, formalization of, um, you, if you could say, so of, of, say, describing the, um, the business process uh, from an orchestration perspective, and we were to write it, um, say, in PyCalculus or some other kind of calculus, that one of the important criteria, whether this is a good description of the business process, is that it's linear. Mm -hmm linear in the sense of avoiding having all kinds of possible outcomes and lots of uncertainty, I guess? Is that what you're referring uh, it, to? You can have different outcomes, and you can I mean, have... Yes, the, differ the outcome could be different, but, but that there's not multiple... We end up not with, you know, say, one scenario broken enterprise that is dysfunctional versus another one that can still process more requests, say. Yes, and, and to alleviate any chance of deadlock or, or, or going the wrong path, so to speak, or at least if you understand the wrong path, you, you enter the, the exception path, you know what to do with it. You know, a lot of it has to do with being explicit about what's defined and explicit about what conformance is required. Uh, one of the discussion items that's gone on in CDL and it's also gone on in, in the BPSS forum is, is that um, when you look at the description and definition of processes and, and the outcomes that are expected, even if they're unhappy paths, are those, do you constrain are you just monitoring? Is it passive? Is it active? If you look at the conformance typing, it's taking a very explicit uh, approach to the fact that it's active from, from the calculus standpoint, that you will actually uh, enforcing the conformance of what you expect in that uh, defined declaration of the choreography of the sequence of events. I, I would have thought that you might have said that conformance typing is a is a, is, a, is a prerequisite step before we can do a form of model checking to check for the liveliness and safety properties of, uh, of the process in the sense of uh, is it going to run into a dead end, an exception from which uh, we're going to have essentially some form of uh, quality of service uh, breakdown in some sense. That Those kinds of, uh, of analysis I would think would be more the kinds of things that people who do model checking and, and talk about liveliness and safety properties of a system would do, but in order to actually even do that kind of checking, that you would have to have enough, um, you know, typing integrity to make sure that we're not comparing apples and oranges, so to speak. Um, and well, well I, that, that your, your point is very valid. What, the, what I'm seeing in that group is there is there are differences of focus of what level of rigor is required. 
some feel that just the choreography's definition and the semantics that the operational semantics that are involved are sufficient to be able to do static analysis and, and monitor what is going on and to be able to manage it. Others feel that without conformance typing, there's, no, there's not the level of certainty that, that mathematically is required. So those are very different approaches, but they're different in, difference in what focus is and what the priority is and what actually could uh, effectively be not only defined, but built into products and be effectively used. And, and that's really more of a, a, a philosophical debate. So, so, for, so you're describing, in a sense, conformance typing really has to check if when we plug a process, like this server process and the client process, whether that composition actually makes sense. That is one of the criteria, yes. But your, your, your point is very well taken, and it's in indicative of, this, of, of the area of interest right now. What I will say, and I have to say this because my own limitation, I'm an analyst. I am not well vetted in, in pie calculus. Mm -hmm. And I am not one of the scientists that's involved. I've just looked at it from a very uh, functional perspective. And, um, but I'd be happy to put you in touch with some of the experts that are involved. And it, I, I'm just recognizing the fact that I can't go into a, any, a lot of detail because I'm not uh, one of the scientists that's involved, and I'm not a scientist to begin with. So, mm -hmm. If you want, if you would send me an email, I'd be happy to send you, uh, point you to some of these folks. I'm sure they'd love to talk to you. Sure. Okay. Monica, uh, maybe just make a comment. Uh, how, how does this pie calculus that you're describing here differ from situation calculus or um, uh, PetriNet representations? Well, uh, PetriNet has a little bit of a d different focus. Pi calculus is much more focused on linearity. And, and I also, also, I have a uh, presentation that was given at Java 1 that talks about these in more detail. Uh, the group in P BPSS has talked a little bit more about Petri nets because it's, it would be more in line with the area of interest that, that collaboration looks at. Um, high calculus folks um, have, have a very different perspective. I can't answer in any more detail because um, I'm not involved with the group uh, that's doing Petri nets. Can I send you a brief? Sure, please. Thanks. Maybe you can post it I mean, yes. since the, I mean, as answers to various questions asked I mean on, yes. on the, this uh, the uh, wiki page of this session I mean, that would really make it rich well you know there was uh, uh, Francis McCabe uh, who's from Fujitsu um, actually did uh, a very good brief about uh, event uh, tree calculus um, as an input to the CDL group, and it was rejected. Well, it wasn't really rejected. They just thought that pi was more um, to their area of liking, and some of it to do with professional preference and focus. See, many of these I'm seeing have to do with professional focus. You know, what what they feel is 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 their area of interest, and I think that's indicative of all of these. In fact, um, and who was that that asked the question? Was that Adam? Oh, it was Peter. No, no, no. Who, who asked the question about Petri Nets? Oh, oh Pat Cassidy. Okay, sorry. I'm just but but you think that the interest comes from the BPELWS working group, right? Uh, the interest for the performance typing is from CDL, from choreography.
from the W3C effort. Um, and there's been uh, additional work that's going on that's actually in addition to that. If you go to slide uh, 15, um, I, I have, there's another formal choreography, uh, I, I guess I'll, it's two separate languages that have been developed that mirror and talk about CDL but approach it from a different perspective. Um, I have provided the link. Um, there's some work in there about semantics, uh, about choreography. It's, it's very complex, but what it does is separate the process and conversations from the semantics that are involved. In fact, they have a whole uh, auxiliary language that describes it. What this actually describes, and I've got my little cheat sheet here, if you'll give me just a second, um, is <clears throat> this has just come up. They've, uh, some folks uh, that are in Europe have actually come in and, and asked to uh, talk to the WSDDL group because they're looking at translating conversations into this uh, auxiliary language and, and being providing a mathematical way to express them and present those semantics. And when I say the semantics, I mean in a mathematical structural way. Um, what they've done is equated those semantics to tra a transition system where you have configuration characteristics. Um, this is somewhat expressed and looks at what I talked about before in message exchange, the interactions, the roles that are involved, those roles not being, not being entities, being processes, um, the use of variability, uh, uh, tokens to be able to identify different parameters of information, and, and what the directionality is. Um, directionality is an important challenge right now in the process area, when, especially when you're looking at what's going on um, with message exchange patterns and some of the limitations of where the technology is right now. Um, and, and also the messages that get performed. Uh, I, I, you can look to this uh, URL that I provided to you. There, there's several different research papers that are out there. But what's important about it is, is uh, it's, it, like I said, it's a building block, trying to get to certainty, trying to uh, uh, use more formal mechanisms in order to not only describe and, and use processes, but also to do checking on them prior to them even being loaded into an in engine. You know, there's quite a bit of discussion in BIPL about static analysis. Um, what that actually equates to is, is at this point, uh, fairly product-specific. Everybody's so quiet. Have I lost you, or? We're all there. Okay. No, we're still kicking. Pardon? We're still kicking, just listening. Okay. Um, if you go to slide 16, um, there was a very interesting report, if you go out to the W3C site, and I believe it's public. Uh, I need to post that URL, probably, that talks about, okay, if we have semantic reason, how does, it, how does this relate to what's going on today? You know, uh, web services, UDDI, WSIPL, um, uh, WSDL, uh, SOAP bindings, how does this all relate? And uh, there's some things that are emerging, uh, some that are in the scientific environment, some are uh, more operational. Um, I've given a little list here. Um, uh, you're starting to see the use of uh, semantics in a more formal way in some of the process specifications that I told you about. Um, there's some similarity measures that are being developed. There's an interesting brief that I saw posted on the uh, Open Applications Group uh, website uh, where they're looking at uh, lexical uh, 
and syntactic and semantic reasoning. This is some work that's actually associated with NIST um, that uh, is probably part of the second phase of the IBNI project. And, and I know this is part of the uh, manufacturing, I believe the manufacturing lab experts at NIST. A very, very interesting work and just a logical progression to how they effectively uh, look to and, and can use reasoning. Um, the use of LS with abstract service uh, descriptions and how those could be associated with the processes and, and hooks that are available in some of the specifications that are under development that I've talked about. Uh, process effects where right now if you look at BPSS, it has pre and post conditions. It has some triggers that are it can be associated with external events. You know, that's, that's a ripe opportunity to be able to look to the next phase to not only making them structural and syntactically uh, 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 standardized, but also look at how, how uh, inference engines and other capabilities can be used to more effectively uh, develop and manage those processes. And then the mathematical computation that's going on um, in CDL, in PyCalculus, uh, to some extent with BIPL, and even in, in, in other areas. I, I don't know, maybe Bill can answer if there are those mathematical approaches are being considered in CPAC. I don't know. Uh, Bill's going to pass on that one. Okay. Okay. Okay, if you go to slide 17, this is my last example. And this was actually some interesting work that was done in the Netherlands. It was called Open Exchange. And uh, it was actually done at the very last part of 2003. Some of our cohorts in the OASIS, excuse me, CFACT were actively involved in this. And what they did is they, they combined uh, set theory, um, uh, state transition systems, uh, ideas of by simulation and used algorithms to be able to say, okay, if I have these different processes, are they similar? Are they related? Can they be used together? And um, it looked at the structure of the process. It looked at the content was involved in the intent, which is what I talked about before. It's this whole triage of opportunity and, and how these things relate together. And, and, and asking, are they equivalent, how they can be used? You're even seeing that work start to evolve in the policy area, um, that there could be certain conditions placed on policies in a, uh, uh, a format that you could actually match them or, or, or intersect them. Um, you see some of that, uh, some of those discussions going on in ExactMol in OASIS. That's the uh, XML access control markup language. Very, very interesting work. Uh, Ann Anderson and Sun Labs is involved in that um, from Sun Microsystems. And uh, this is, is a very progressive work. You know, in fact, if you look at uh, some of the uh, uh, open briefs from the, uh, there was a con conditions and constraints workshop in W3C probably last fall sometime. I want to say October. And there was a series of papers that talked about how policy, policy, uh, context, business rules, I, it's, it's hard because people muddle these definitions up and what they think their scope of work is, but it talked about how semantic ontologies could be used. Um, uh, unfortunately, there was, there was a lot of clarity that came out of that workshop only because people weren't ready for it. Um, and, and some of it has to do with the pragmatism I'm talking about, you know, these, this iterative approach to be able to accommodate some of these technologies and the concepts that are involved. From what you understand in um, of, of pine calculus, does, does it does um, the notion there of linearity have any um, use uh, in for process matching? Um, I think uh, I don't know. I don't know. I could uh, 
lead you to some of the discussion that's gone on. Most of it has to do with if I have a channel and, and I'm a part of, say you have a, a several entities that are involved in a relationship, they're, they're communicating via message exchange over a channel. How do I hand off that channel to another entity? And what are the constraints to do that? And, and, and what kind of environment is it? Is it shared? Is it linear? Um, is it shared? Is, is it constrained? Can there be multiple concurrent processes or, or at least paths or different channels involved? That's a level of, of clarity that has gotten, it has gone with respect to the work that's going on right now. I don't think it's gotten to the level that you're asking about. Okay. Um, I, I think a lot of this is, is available in the public archive for the W3C, for the CDL work. Um, I probably should add that as another link. And you guys can do, look some some additional hits on, on trying to understand that a little better. Okay, to the final slide. Um, I know I've just talked about building blocks today. Um, I know it's a lot of information. Um, it's a lot of information for me, just being an analyst. But uh, what you see is, is, is there's, there's more and more focus on how to, with some level of certainty, even in the, just from the mathematical perspective, and, and from understood declarative mechanisms to address syntactic and structural cap formats that will allow uh, the uh, at least definition of the scope, the context of, of processes and how they're used. Um, but it, it does uh, show us that, that they have to be focused on what operational pro problems they're trying to solve. Um, I hear it a lot that the complexity of just the definition of even where we are today is very difficult for user communities. And, and, and I think sometimes we have to take uh, those, you know, baby steps in order to allow us to effectively use some of the technologies and concepts that are available. I think that's it. I'll just I'll take some questions. Um, hopefully, someone will uh, have some have some comments, and uh, I'd be happy to try to uh, answer the questions as best I can. I'll open it up now. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you very much, Monica. It's a real mm -hmm. eye opener especially I mean, some, someone like myself who's been in mathematical modeling workflows and obviously in collaboration these days. I mean, what you have put together is really comprehensive and, and, and provides a, a full landscape of what business processes are today. And thank you very much. I also would like to say that uh, I had no idea that a business analyst or process analyst could be so interesting. Well, you know, the thing is, I think some of it has to do with momentum. You know, it's kind of like the time is right. Um, I'll, I'll take the other questions and I'll comment. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interject. Uh, well, if there's no questions, maybe I'd like to jump with one. Um, on slide nine, you were showing uh, a, a table of uh, uh, different um, uh, uh, standards, um, BPML, AWS, um, uh, WSCDL, and all that stuff. And then uh, um, you had uh, shown this analysis where they had compared uh, these processes relative to qualities, control, protocol, and, and various other kinds of uh, uh, attributes. And and um, I was looking particularly, for example, at AWS, because I, I know not intimately, but I know it somewhat, and compared it, for example, uh, BPL, which you mentioned uh, has had this uh, interesting new line of work uh, that you pointed out later, 
And uh, notice that uh, they're really uh, not addressing, according to the comparison, um, one another's concerns. But yet, um, for example, if you could look at, say, roles, for example, um, and where, actually, no, in, in this case it's mentioned, but the events, um, which in OLS is not specified as being something that OLS explicitly addresses, but that is explicitly addressed, say, in BPEL, uh, then um, my, my observation was that putting these uh, standards out of the context about where they're intended to be used, used makes it very difficult to make a, a, an honest comparison because in this case, for example, of event, uh, I'm pretty sure that OS expects kind of like a PSL for somebody to provide, you know, an, uh, essentially an, an axiomatic definition of what an event is. And on the basis of having defined a set of events, then we can use them uh, in, uh, in OLS descriptions. Whereas perhaps in um, BPEL, there may be more support for exactly defining the events within BPEL as opposed to having somebody outside asserts X is an event and mm -hmm. the event is opaque. Mm -hmm. Do, have you um, found this kind of um, comparisons that uh, have actually uh, addressed uh, the question of really making a, 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 a you know a addressing exactly, are we comparing the same thing because, um, you know, in the end they're, they're addressed similarly or, or we've taken in, we've included the mechanism they need to, to be able to be comparable? I'll answer in two ways. Uh, the first one is to a point I made earlier is that and, and, and when I point you, when I actually provide uh, the link to the study or even provide it to you guys, I, I'll upload it to the wiki, um, it provides specific definitions to what it means on any one of these given things that are on the chart, okay. slide nine. Um, and and that's, that's a perspective. See, the thing is, that's one thing that's really important, and your point about context is, is taking things out of context is very, is very important because many of these um, efforts, their definition, their perspective, and, and their area of interest has an influence on how they even think these things are related, right? right. Even the definition they put to it. Okay, the second uh, point is with respect to events, and let's just look at Bipple because that's the one I'm most in tune with, is events, you know, and, and even in the environment, so to speak, there's, there's quite a bit of discussion if a message and an event are the same thing. Even in WSRP, even in BIPL, um, even to some extent with his work in BPSS, and people see it in different ways. Is an event just a special type of a message? Does it have the specific characteristics? What influence does it have on the process? In the case of BIPL, there an, uh, the eventing is 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 uh, the event handling is more a uh, constraint mechanism. It actually you know it actually provides a boundary for something coming into a process. Um, other than that, it has little or, little or no other relevance. It's, it's probably much more limited than than you, you might see. And I don't know specifically because I, I'm just learning about LS, right, and PSL, mm -hmm. whether or not the detail is more specific in um, those, those capabilities. I think probably uh, just my gut would tell me that, yes, it would be. Um, it, see, the thing yeah. is, that gets into what I was talking about.
talking about before, people use things to their own design. Even in the standardization, right? Um, event handling is very, very uh, controlled in BIPL. And it's only one way. Maybe, I mean, I agree with you that, you know, if things get really muddled very quickly because in the end these terms are so overloaded that, you know, sometimes I, I think that perhaps um, the, the, a good starting point would be to start using, you know, a solid uh, you know, formal ontology of, uh, of, of these terms that actually says, you know, some rigorous way, what is the meaning of uh, the terms that we use, a composition, choreography, event, process, whatever, mm -hmm. so that when, um, when, when, when we get down to a question where there is perhaps a doubt about uh, if, if we are talking about the same things or, uh, or if we are uh, talking about things that are synonymous or analogous but might have some subtle, more subtle differences, then we can actually turn to to then uh, you know formal ontology to actually tease out those differences in 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 more in better ways. One example of that I've seen is in in, in Dolce, for example. It it it, it does have a you know a pretty you know perhaps arbitrary you could say definition of of all of these terms, but it's you know it, it's axiomatic. It, it 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 defines exactly what these terms mean in terms of other ontological terms in, in, in that ontology. And so perhaps maybe, uh, you know, in comparing these things, if we, if we ground those comparisons in, in saying, well, by this term we're going to mean, you know, here is the formal definition of that word over there, then at least it may not solve everything, but it might make it easier to, uh, to do apples-to-apples uh, -apples comparisons. Yeah, this, this is Pat. Let me interject here. This is precisely what I'm uh, hoping we can do with the Ontology Taxonomy Coordinating Committee to, to uh, uh, adopt from upper ontology, which is as precisely defined as uh, Dolce and, uh, and Sumo and uh, OpenSight. Right, uh, and that could and be then, And then to use, that, to use that to define the terms. Uh, so each, each community will have its own terms, but by using the upper ontology, you'll know what the meanings of those terms right. are. Right. And I also think that having done that, then it's easier for somebody who may come from a different background to look at uh, those terms and then the definition that is pointed out to say, by this term we mean this, you know, um, concept in that ontology, and you can look at all these axioms about what it says, then they can actually say, well, I'm calling that, I don't know, Schmilblick. You know, the thing is that this is a technical argument and this is a political argument, okay? And I hate to say it that way, but I'll, I, I think the, the terms are morphing according to um, uh, specific user community and, and product and industry interest. And, and um, I, I, would, I, I think it would be great if we could get to a level of understanding, but sometimes the level of understanding is muddled for a reason. And it's muddled because uh, where, where the leverage and where the lead and where the capability to extend and visualize that message is held, right? Um, and what I'm saying is in, in groups or with people with influence, and, and that's not a techni technical argument. No, but but the, but the, the, the it's not it's not. Uh, I think the the technical issue is, is I, I would I would venture to say the technical problems are completely solved, mm -hmm. and. Um, the, the, the uh, sociological issue you're talking about 
isn't a question of whether you can take a term that's used by some community and define it. You can do that. It's just that if the community itself has not resolved on what it means by a term, well, there's a, there's that's something nobody else can do anything about. Like a semantic interoperability problem for the communities, I, I can speak for the sort of isomorph over in the federal community. Um, they're sort of working on a, a glossary right now um, in, in, in some ways kind of feeling their way along, wanting some pragmatic definitions so that uh, many, many of the federal architects and other people who are constantly entering this uh, area of discourse can understand one another. And of course, uh, there's some helping huge doses of, of governance in there, which m perhaps counteract some of the political uh, determinism, you know, that we want to stay this way because, or man is, I, you know, I'm all for, uh, people say I'm all for uh, registries or other sorts of things, but just don't make me change my terms. Uh, you know, there, there is some, uh, like, socio-technical domains here that that clearly, uh, and, and I'm from the governance subcommittee of the Architecture and Infrastructure Committee, and, and Brand knows these same sorts of things too. There, there's so much information floating out there that you have to look at the spectrum, for instance, of how do you educate a practitioner in this area, or how do you educate someone who can represent the, con, uh, the constructs, the concepts, well enough that they can go and make business cases to the decision makers, you know, who uh, often can get completely turned off, and you have a parallel track of the technical solutions just living out there, and nobody can uh, nobody can create these what I call bridging constructs that allows the information to be socialized and brought into some way that it, you know, the science of it can can go on and on and on. But you know, how do we adopt this? Uh, innovation. I think I think those are some of the frontiers right there, and it's, it's a very big meta sort of thing. But uh, that's many of the dimensions of it. Right. I, I, who, who is actually talking? Excuse me. Peter Yim here. That that probably was uh, Pat Hannock, right? Yeah, that's me. I'm sorry, Pat Hannock. Yeah. Before that, that was Pat Cassidy, and before that, it was uh, Nicholas Roquet. And let's request everyone to identify himself or herself. Uh, yeah. Uh, before speaking. Uh, can I interject just really quickly, and, and not to stop the conversation? Uh, Pat, you had asked a question about petri nets. Um, before we get to the end of the questions, I'd like to answer a little bit of detail to that when I could. Okay. Sure. Sorry. But I'll go. I'll let the everybody. I'll, I'll let you guys talk. It's nice for me to shut up for a little while. Oh, uh, go, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I, I have at least one one question after uh, you you finish with uh, petri net. Yes, I'll just give two simple definitions, and I'll, I'll attribute these to Ron Tenhove, who's an enterprise architect, who's actually uh, one of the co-spec leads for uh, JSR 208, uh, Job of Business Integration. And he's got a long history in this area, um, of which I do not. He's, he's definitely an engineer. Um, but if you look at PyCalculus, uh, you have interacting named uh, agents. It's kind of like you you have a con you have different configurations there, but they're dynamically composed. And and as I said, you see them in BIPOL and CDL. Um, and it's just really about computation. You know, the whole idea of cer certainty and of processes that could be mobile and attached together. Processes or process steps. Uh, that, that evolve in a specific sequence, uh, understanding that everything is a process. If you look at petri nets, it's really about the interaction of systems, uh, places, transition, 
um, and 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 the the different arcs or, or transitions that occur, you know, somewhat uh, along the lines of the process matching study that I talked about, and and it can be used uh, for collaboration. It's good to model something, but it's near not good for execution. If you look at the work in PyCalculus, uh, specifically in CDL and the discussions with Robin Milner, it's very much focused on the certainty exit. Uh, in definition as it relates to the execution of those exchanges. Very much focused on that. So that's a key difference. And I'm sorry I couldn't articulate it later before. I had not studied some of my other briefs to do that. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of an information on the question that was uh, asked. Go ahead, Peter. Okay. Uh, Peter Yim here. Uh, Monica, you've been with the Ontolog Forum since, since day one. Maybe day two, but uh, and 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 you've seen how we have evolved, uh, and obviously, I mean, you can see that there, uh, the 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 community actually is made up of uh, ontologists, obviously, and uh, e-business standards people like yourself, Bill McCarthy, and uh, and some knowledge management folks. So that's the mixture in, in this community. Uh, how do you see sort of the community capitalizing or leveraging on the uh, resource at hand uh, to, uh, I guess, uh, fulfill the, uh, part of the, the charter that we have set ourselves out to do? I mean, I read specifically I mean, from our uh, recently updated charter that we are supposed to identify ontological engineering approaches that might be applied to the broader domain of e-business standardization efforts. Uh, what are the opportunities and, 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 and any, uh, give us some pointers that you can see uh, us sort of leveraging? Well, I think if you look back to my brief, is that, and, and to the point that was made earlier where there was some discussion about, uh, and I think um, it, about machine reasoning versus, you know, machine computation, uh, computability versus machine reasoning, you know, I think that's, a, that's an area that could be looked at because that's, you're already seeing that formalization, at least from a structural and syntactic approach, in the process standards or specifications that are being developed. I think the other one that was brought up about uh, formal and ontologic ontology of terms is is very very valuable as well. I think because of the social acceptance aspects that were brought up uh, by Pat, uh, I, I think that will take longer. Not because it's not important. It's because. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's education and understanding, and that, edu that education and understanding has to be continuous. Uh, I, I'm actually wondering if it's just education, or if it's perhaps that there's a technical issue that has not been properly you know, solved to be practical enough for people to even consider doing, um, uh, doing this, in the sense that even if, for example, you had you're grounded, you, you, the, the, the term that you use in your presentation in some kind of formal ontology, sumo, dolce, whatever, or not, mm -hmm. maybe not just one, but say perhaps even half a dozen, uh, so that uh, you know, somebody would really want to understand your presentation, they could really know precisely what you meant by, by each word, because there would be plenty of definitions that, that define, describe what that is. Does that, is, that, is that enough? I mean, you'd have done you know, your you're, you're, you're part of the bargain there, and I don't think it is in the sense that 
if, if somebody else now has their own taxonomy, as, as I think Pat Hanak had mentioned um, early in the context of government, and, and doesn't want to change that, that their vocabulary, um, we still have to kind of uh, align these vocabularies. And, and right now, I think the part that perhaps might explain some political resistance is that it's very difficult for somebody to really sit down and look at their own taxonomy, however formal or informal it is, and do an equivalent exercise and say, well, exactly, what do I mean by my term? Because in some cases, it's actually inconsistent. What yeah, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with, with what you said. And the, um, w w what, what that simply means is that whether somebody's going to do that exercise of, of, of taking your own domain, taxonomy, and community, thesaurus, or whatever, and, and trying to decide just, just what these terms really mean, to do the mapping to a precise logical language, uh, whether they're going to bother doing that will depend entirely on whether they see any value in communicating uh, and whether they see any value in uh, precise uh, inferencing. Now, as as um, I think uh, Monica was saying, I think mainly the point, the point of the talk today was that uh, people are trying to find some ways to get more precision in their representations that you can do serious and reliable inferencing in business contexts. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and my feeling is that in a business context, it, it, will, it will happen because there's a tremendous uh, motivation there to do that. Uh, in other contexts, I'm sure there will be communities who will look at their thesaurus and say, well, I'm just really just using this for my own human informative purposes. I just want uh, to use it as a controlled vocabulary, and my my community is going to agree that this is sort of what we mean, and we know what we mean, and and we don't need a, a, to to communicate these precise terms to anyone else, and and they will have no motivation to do the mapping. So um, that that again is is what I'm, I'm going to try to I hope we can find out is to, to to try to determine which communities feel a need to communicate with others sufficient to put in some effort. The, the other part, of course, is that one has to make the effort as easy as possible. And I think some form of controlled English um, utilities that, that enable the, the use of a controlled English to define terms uh, will, will be very helpful. Thanks, Pat, I think you hit on one thing that's probably in, in the big ecology of things is what may end up driving this, although um, Monica did mention some of, the, some of the, the constructs or mechanisms by which standards emerge or some drop away, but I think the desire to um, uh, cross domains perhaps for reasons of, like in the federal government, obviously it's been mandated that um, uh, organizations will look for candidate projects to collaborate on through the federal enterprise architecture, and of course there's been work done at, at GSA for uh, federal enterprise architecture, a reference model ontology, which I think once you start getting to something like that, you can start to, s to settle out the other semantic technologies, the thesauruses and the glossaries and the taxonomies and other sorts of things. But, um, it, you know, I think when that, uh, it's not so much when the hurt gets so bad. I mean, there are some drivers that say thou shalt uh, uh, coordinate, but I believe some of the mechanisms that allow these things to move forward is when the sincere desire to um, cross domains and, and do something useful outside of your your area of interest. I, I'm going to be in that area with uh, with this emergency response architecture because EPA has to intersect so many things, uh, state and local, in terms of first response and that sort of thing. So, 
I think that's one of the dynamics. Yeah, I, I am hoping that the this pad again that, that the the CRO, the Federal Enterprise Architecture Reference Ontology, will be a an important component of um, the upper ontology. Uh, that there's momentum there. We'd like to build on the momentum to try to move uh, in, in, into greater detail. I think you're right. I think there there are, there are three motivations. There's there's internal motivation. Uh, you know, uh, one, uh, one community may want to talk to another. Uh, and then there's top-down motivation. You do this or else. Uh, and there's also a third motivation: money. And that's what, uh, the money has been absolutely absent in, in, in just about all of this, except for small bits here and there. And whenever anybody about asks you how do you, how do you get these people to agree, I think the really simple answer is pay them. I mean, uh, people will do what they're paid to do. If they're uh, as of right now, the the reward systems both in the academy and in business is uh, you are rewarded and paid for doing things that are different from what anybody else is doing. There is there's no natural incentive to collaborate. Uh, but if there were money for collaboration, well, people would do it. I know they would. I would talk to them, and they said they would, and I believe them. Well, in sort of an ecological way, also, uh, someone was pointing this out to me that in an ecology, when the food supply dries up, or some other sort of uh, isomorphic property, then people move on to something else. And so, yes, if there's resources to do something, but if someone says, I'm not funding that anymore because uh, you're forced to look beyond uh, what you were doing in your own little, I hate the word, yeah, stove. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, yeah, you, you, can, you can observe the, the history of scientific research. Yeah. Uh, the research goes where the money is. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, uh, what's interesting about that is that that's exactly the point. If you look at what's going on in the process area, is that some of this technology, no matter how advanced or progressive it is, is still very immature. Okay, And people are just still groping around. I hate to use the word groping, but they're still trying to find what that reality is. And, and, and also how it's effectively used in, in the communities that need to be served. And, 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 and there needs to be a little bit more experience because a lot of this is still on the advanced cusp. It really is. You know, there may not even be uh, uh, as much uh, um, uh, market as, as there's being touted as. It's, it's more investigation. And well, it's I think agree. it's very much like this uh, field that was uh, uh, knowledge creation, diffusion, utilization, innovation, that sort of thing, which was sort of a meta field that says, here's how the, I mean, we've heard the arguments about the immature architectures and that sort of thing, but you're right. I think there's some hope, and I don't know if it's a false hope, but, you know, given the, the diversity of, of these semantic worlds, I think many people are hoping that there becomes some technological things that um, help the human operator uh, or allow the human operator to not totally abandon their set which everyone is desperately afraid of. The human operators, of course, are much less flexible than the machines because it involves uh, learning, attention, memory, cognitive mapping structures that you know, one, one does not uh, easily rip out and, and replace. So there's, there's, kind of a, uh, there's kind of a mechanism there that's an impediment that's always there. But I think there is this, uh, this hope that somehow um, the, the human can be allowed to migrate in perhaps a slower evolution than what what we what we're requiring for um, uh, more expressiveness to meet machine intelligence, you know, the, the people are always the uh, the squishy parts of the of the system. That's why I was interested in this concept of looking at the human and the services. I I come from uh, human factors, cognitive psych, and you know the human the human decision maker, the human rationality uh, is not hardly to be modeled. Sometimes there has been some work on this, but. Uh, it's a very capricious uh, part of this, and uh, and yet and yet we're having to form these things that are combinations of 
of human reasoning, human models, and machines. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, two or three years ago, Eduardo Gutentag, which has been with Sun a long time, did a special briefing in Budapest, and we, uh, several of us, went together from our Web Technologies and Standards group to, to provide the, you know, the impetus for this brief. It was at a very broad audience, and what we brought up is this whole idea of a human as a service. You know, that they're automated, their decisions are, are computable, whether they're predictable or not. I won't get into. <laughs> but the thing is, there's. People are like, oh my God, you know, you can't talk about that. I'm like, it's, it's. Let's start to quantify it, you know. It, let's, let's take little steps, and it, it caused a huge amount of hubbub. Okay, when we talked about it. But the thing is, it's, it's, it's very important because that decision making is very, very critical, oftentimes, to the execution and and the, the effective knowledge of processes, right? And the content that's involved. I'm just looking at it from a process perspective, but.